Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. This podcast is all about talking about race and diversity and everything in between. We also invite Kiwis onto the podcast to share their stories, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic New Zealand. Okay, back by popular demand, aka me, we have Uncle Mac back on the show again. So who are you, where are you from, and what do you do? Okay, so I'm so old now that they can no longer fire me and I get to work in the community <laughs> and enjoy um, just seeing people taking on, people your age and others taking on a new world that just looks so exciting. So the work that I'm making my redund- myself redundant from is uh, I, I am a director of the New Zealand Education Foundation and a principal of the Aotearoa New Zealand uh, Peace Embassy and also I currently chair the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and yeah. You do a bit of everything, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm a <laughs> Local Kiwi. legend, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I don't know about the legend thing. I think it's, it's, it's always a scary thing when people say that because, you know, you can be popular today and demonised tomorrow. So I just think I'm a regular fella. And we should always remember too, don't we, that time and sand bury all pe- people. So That is true. Yeah, I will pass. Said by a very, very humble man, but I'm sure. Um, so... I wanted to talk about this more in your in, in the first time that you came, um, but you're a Muslim man, and if you look at you, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that. Really, you think I got blue eyes and fair skin? <laughs> Don't say that. When did that happen? Um, have you looked in the mirror recently? <laughs> no, no. I know one one of the times that um, in in Saudi, somebody said, "Oh, look, he, he's got white skin." And I went, no, don't say that. And then, and then, so the story we started was that I was a great great grandson of um, Lawrence of Arabia. So I didn't think about it very deeply. And then they all said, oh, so he's a spy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You both got two different ends yeah, of the stick yeah, from yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I becoming a Muslim for me was inevitable. I think. I think this was a path that God had chosen for me. Um, I. I Brought up in a God-fearing country, so in the north we were. I was, uh, and out on the east coast, I was. I was brought up Morihu, so a follower of Ratna, Prophet Ratna, peace be upon him. And as Muslim, we know that God sent His messengers to all nations, not just to the Middle East. Um, and then <clears throat> my birth mother was um, a very staunch, relaxed but staunch uh, Methodist, mm-hmm. and I have a brother who. Uh, for a time was a bishop in the Mormon church. And so when my mum sent me home to look after my birth parents, they were elderly and and she felt it was important that I should go and look after them. They needed care. And the people who were looking after my, particularly my mum at that time, were Muslim. Oh, wow. Yeah, and one day my mum said to me, uh, my mother said to me, oh, so you were praying with the Muslim. And I said, how, does, how do you think Jesus will feel about that? Because Jesus was so, so central in her life. And she said, oh, I'm sure Jesus will be happy that you are praying to God. And so that was kind of the conversation. And a long time after that, <clears throat> um, she said to me one day, oh, you've got something to tell me. And I said, oh, I'm in my 50s, mother. I don't think there's much left for us <laughs> to discuss, you know, sort of shuffling my feet. 
<clears throat> thinking, where's this going to go? And she became very serious, and she said, you're a Muslim. And I said, well, I've never declared myself. I've never made shahada. And she said, I think you should do that quickly. God is waiting to hear your voice. And so that became important at so many levels because of how I'd been brought up in, in, in the community. Um, you know, of course, my nana would always say, when the women are, are healthy, when the women and children are healthy and happy, you men are looking glorious. So, And then, of course, as a, as a Muslim, um, when our Prophet, peace be upon him, was asked, who is your best friend? He said, my mother, and your next best friend, my mother, and then my mother, and then father. You know? So having my mother's encouragement really kind of cemented it for me. Well, it sounds like she was a very, very important key part in your journey. Yeah. And so you're saying you were around in your in your 50s when you, you mm. made the Shahada? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... And then, and then life just continued. One of one of um, one of the families, one of the who stayed in our family. Um, there was an incident one day. So I'm now nursing my mother and working from home. Yeah, and and living with with my mother. Um, and one day I was really really busy, but she kept asking me to do stuff, and she was still quite capable of doing stuff for herself. And it, towards the end of the day, she asked if I'd make her a cup of tea. So I made a cup of tea and I went and put it down a little bit harder than necessary in front of her and said, there, look, I need to go and work. And my boy followed me in and said to me, so what was that about? <clears throat> and I said, no, look, it's all right. I'm just a wee bit frustrated. And he said, I'll tie a bottle of water to your waist and you carry that for nine months and tell me what is frustrated. <laughs> and I said to him, so <clears throat> you're going to be a, a great father one day and a lovely husband. And he is, he's amazing. But that night I said to my mother, you realise that Khalid... We called him Kahu. Khalid looks more like Jesus than me. <laughs> and immediately I saw on her face he just became her number one son. <laughs> she, she, they were already very, very close. But the idea that she had <laughs> a Jesus-like character living or somebody who came from the mm-hmm. area just meant so much for her. Her, her view um, was very physical around what, what uh, heaven and God looks like, eh? Yeah. And I often say to my students, my biggest fear when I get to stand in front of our creator is not that he'll ask me was I a Muslim or a, a Buddhist or something else. My greatest fear will be that God asks me, have I used my time wisely and as, as for the purpose he sent me here. Mm. Mm. So it sounds like your mother was really, really religious. So you already had that kind of open-mindedness to religion as you yeah. were growing and, up? And, and, and our mum in the north... Both of them wouldn't necessarily – yeah, they, they both were, but I think really importantly for, for my mum, my whangau mum, my fire in the north, and, and my mother, was that they would probably not describe themselves as religious. Mm, uh, but they would they would definitely acknowledge the spirituality. And so I think that also has helped because in a time now where we see people drifting away from organised religion – and the last time we had a census in this country, it said that the fastest religion growing in the country was no religion. But it didn't have a question, do you have a sense of spirituality? Yeah. And I think in some respects for me, that's every much as important as... So it's kind of interesting being a, um, a revert because we get to sit in a place where we see all sorts of people who have um, their, own, their own theologies, so, you know, in the same way as Christianity is quite diverse or, um, <clears throat> or, or any, any faith, 
So so is it with with um, with Muslim, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like people make that assumption that we all think the, the same, same which is it really is so far from the truth. But for me, growing up, I, I was always the token Muslim girl in whatever context it was, and so whenever there was anything to do with religion or culture, everyone would turn to me, and I feel like I'd have to become a spokesperson for <laughs> yep. all Muslims. Yep. But Globally. I can't do that because we yeah. all think and do things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And isn't that one of the beauties that we have the opportunity here in Dunedin is that we have one masjid. So irrespective of that, that means that I get to pray, I guess, from one, you know, from Wahhabi to to um, Sufi, yeah? And and we need to embrace that. <clears throat> and and we need to embrace that for our faith, the reasons of our faith. But we also need to do it because we have chosen to come into this country. And one of my sisters, who I'm going to actually have dinner with shortly tonight, she she said to me, I always used to wonder why you were a Muslim, you know, because if you were meant to be a Muslim, you should have been born in the Middle East. Why you why you became Muslim here? And recent mm. recent events in her mind gave her a sense of why it was time, you know, that one of us was a Muslim. And I know um, there were things said on the Marae at one stage by one of the, one of the brothers and I could see it was agitating people around me, and I was able to stand up and say, I think this needs to be replied to by a Muslim, as a Muslim to a Muslim. You know, here you are making these comments, and and they are valid. Nobody will say that your view is not valid. However, Mm. here is, and here we are in somebody else's country. Yeah, I listened to somebody saying last night, I'm going to lose my my culture and all the rest of it, and that's not why I came here. Well, you know, as as Muslim, we are taught that if we can't live by our law, Within the law of the country that we're in, we should leave. Mm. We're not. We haven't come here to change the law or change the culture. We've come here with a with an example of to be the best of of uh, what Muslim has to offer. Eh? So, in saying that, in your opinion, where do you think the line is between living within the law of wherever you're wherever you're living and also still upholding your Values and your morals and and your culture, cultural traditions. I Do you think there is a line, or well, <clears throat> like for, I think yeah, for someone like my parents, for example, like yeah. New Zealand is so so foreign to them. Okay. That concept would be would be hard for them to absorb in certain aspects. I feel like so. We're, we're, give me an example of a conflict that they can't live here. Mm. I think they have most of the issues come from us kids growing up here because yeah. they have to reconcile <clears throat> that you might want to go out with other people and you might have friends who are non-Muslim and yeah, just a whole host of challenges. Yeah, yeah where do you where do you think the so so we are taught you know my faith is my faith and your faith is your faith and and that's fine. Fair. Yeah, and <clears throat> did our did our. Our prophet, peace be upon him, run around saying, no, I can't talk to those people because their their way of life is different from mine, so long as they, they weren't conflict in terms of um, violence or abuse. He was fine with that. So I, I, think it's, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think, <clears throat> if, if anything, um, we're well prepared to be able to fit in. And and to take on on those relationships, 
And mm-hmm. if I look at how Tangata Whenua have hosted us, then if, if they can host us hey, and be patient with our inappropriate behaviours, then I come a long way away from having to think about who, who am I to make the judgments? Mm. Yeah. And and if if I felt unsafe or if I thought that I was going to be compromised, I'd pack up and go. I wouldn't try and um, so the things that I would want to change here, if if I saw something that I thought I wanted to change, I think that they would be things that all New Zealanders would want to change. I'd be, I, I can't even begin to think of something that I would want to change that doesn't fit with us mm. as Muslim. Mm. What, what's, give, us, give us your most extreme example. <laughs> extreme example? Yeah, give us something that, you know, that would freak us out as Muslim, that we would maybe feel compromised. Anything in diversity, anything where? I feel like well, Muslim people would be freaked out if we weren't able to... Go to a mosque. In, so where where in New Zealand does that happen? Nowhere, but I'm just saying, like hypothetically. Though. Well, hypothetically, it doesn't exist. <laughs> well, we might ask ourselves as Muslims why we lock our mosques, because in the time of our Prophet, peace be upon him, did he lock lock his mosque? Were there robbers and bandits? Were there bad people around? Yes, there were. So why do we lock our mosque? Oh, because somebody might come and steal something. Wow. Gosh, imagine if they went and took all the Quran from the mosque. That'd be horrific, wouldn't it? It's we, okay, we still have it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. <clears throat> but they've just taken the greatest gift with them. <laughs> wouldn't we be saying, and come tomorrow night? Oh, but there might be drunk people that would come in. Did our Prophet, peace be upon him, look after those people who were, were lost and, and wandering in the spiritual wilderness? They were the very people he went in and embraced. Did he put up with the people who gave him a hard time? And, and He didn't compromise himself, that's true. Mm. But at the same time, he reached out. He didn't, hey, yeah, he didn't force. So one of the big things that I think there's a misnomer with is that <clears throat> this idea that we need to apostolize. And in fact, we're taught not to. Hey. So where the conflict comes for me as a refer is when I hear people saying, oh, we've got to go and take the message and, and, and convince people to become Muslim. It's not who I was, how I was in, in, in courage to become a Muslim. So, <clears throat> um, and, and, and there is a discussion amongst some reverts I know at the moment saying, how do, we beca- how do we be careful not to become another bunch of colonialists? How do we make sure mm. our faith is not another colonializing, you know? So, so this, is, this is one of those things, isn't it, is that, Often a faith comes and it says, this is the right path. However, what I do is not quite that. So then there is no, no real um, sense of trust with it. In the same, in the same way, why I think we have, we have a, a responsibility to show that despite our difference within, within, within being Muslim, if we show our different um, theologies, that we're still able to pray beside each other. Mm. And our imam, you know, our imam here in Dunedin made the comment that when he came back from Christchurch, that the community that came to us to embrace us at that time didn't turn up and say, you know, we are Catholic and Protestant and, and that we're Buddhist, etc. They didn't come and say their ethnicities. They didn't come and say their ages. 
they came as our community. And I actually believe that they came to us not not because we were Muslim, but because we were their neighbours or workplace people, or in my case, the ugly old man that says, has you done your assignment yet? But they, they came to embrace us as their own. And, the, and then we see that sign, don't we, saying we're all one, we're, this is not who we are. So I think we need to respond. And he, 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 I, it was just lovely to hear him say, we need to do the same. And before we build another masjid in Dunedin, which becomes inevitable, we, nearly, we really need to step up and show that we're embracing. And I also think that in the same way as that we invite other people from other faiths to come into our holy space, our, our place of worship, we need to go and visit theirs. You know, I say to you, oh, we're good friends. Come and have a meal with me. And we go, yeah, yeah. And then you say, oh, come and have a meal with me. And I go, well, you know, I would, but I can't. Then you're going to start to question our depth of our friendship. Mm. Yeah? If I want you to <clears throat> to learn about my faith, then maybe it's time for you to learn a little bit about my faith. It's definitely yeah. a two-way street. Yeah. That's what all relationships are. Yeah. And I think it was really lovely to see recently with the university's 150th, they had a, um, a service at Knox Church and to see all the different faiths there, including people from the Muslim community being there represented. Oh, that's and, Yeah, it was that's amazing. amazing. And they were part of the procession. So, so this, this talks to me about what my grandparents used to say about Dunedin. There were three premises that they believed that Dunedin was based on. One was freedom of faith within the law. Practice any faith you like so long as it was within the law. The second one was the idea of universal access to education and health that if you had education and health, then you could determine your future. And equally important in their minds was a fair day's wage for a fair day's pay. Sorry, a fair day's wage for a fair day's work. Yeah, And so <clears throat> all of those things sit comfortably with us as Muslims, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So then we need to be out there just simply being being those people. And I think that that's really why we're here at this time. Yeah, so... Mm. That is a yeah, really fair point. I think that's something that I've come across quite a lot, just that idea of we also need to put ourselves out there as mm. well because we expect everyone to be understanding, but then we don't go out of our way to also learn about other people's way of living life or yeah, their morals and values, which actually at the end of the day, we all kind of have the same ones. We just yeah. word it in different ways. Um, what I wanted to ask you was before, um, well, just now there's a lot of Islamophobia and people have. So I keep hearing, is there? Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> um, but people have a lot of wrong ideas about mm. Islam and what kind of ideas did you have about Islam before you became a Muslim? And now that you're a Muslim now, what do you say to people who do have those I, I, wrong ideas of Islam? So, <clears throat> Sorry, that was um, a l- big yeah, question. There's a good. lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I think for me before I became a Muslim, I was already with people who were comfortable that other people had faith. So, And then now, so recently I was in uh, – sorry, in uh, – Auckland and Hamilton dealing with um, a, a property owner that we, we are already working with and we want to do much, much more, want to actually go from simply being a, um, a leasee and to a property owner to actually being in partnership. 
And so this man is very, very, um, very clear in his faith. And some of the things that he said to me about uh, Muslims were really challenging. Mm-hmm. And there were some things that I didn't really know for sure. And so all I could say to him is, I'm going to go and find out. And then he was looking at our point of differences. And I was able to say that, because this is how I understand it as a, as a Muslim, that's wonderful. That's who you are. I will protect you. You keep those ideas. Those belong to you. And he, he was concerned that because I didn't share his ideas that maybe I won't go to heaven. And he might be right. But my faith tells me that I'm going to heaven if I do the right things and, and <clears throat> that I'm more, it's more important for me to look for those areas of commonality than it is for me to look for those areas that are not. So it's not useful for me to challenge his ideas. It doesn't bring us closer together. Yeah? It, will be, it will be in time, in time, inshallah, God willing, that we, our relationship will grow and develop enough that we'll be able to have those discussions in theology. But at the moment, that wouldn't serve him and it certainly wouldn't serve me and, and wanting to understand him better. And in fact, his challenging questions has allowed me to look more deeply into my faith. And, and um, I, always, I, I think it's true what Mahatma Gandhi said, faith without understanding is ignorance. Is no faith. And in fact, what was really cool about this man was he was saying he was brought up a particular faith that his parents, his grandparents, his great-grandparents, and probably way, way back, had followed this faith blindly. And he he went through a, a period where he struggled in his late, uh, late 20s mm. where he challenged that, and he had to go and revisit why he had faith. And so he doesn't belong to the same sect that his parents did, but he's now of of the same following the same prophets and and doing the same things as best he can, mm-hmm. and I just think he's an amazing man. So, you know, and 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 also why I want to sit with him is that even though he was saying some things that would challenge me as a Muslim, he was also telling me stuff about his faith, which I'm expected to know. So, isn't it? Because one of the things that 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 as a Muslim I'm told to do. Is, is to read the Quran, yes, but I've got two other books to read, and what are they called? What are the other two books that I'm expected to read? I'm expected to read three books, aren't I? Ah, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to understand that which has been written. <coughs> ah, the Sunnah. Yeah. So I'm going to be reading the Quran, I'm going to be ringing Gospels, and I'm going to be reading the Torah. And how often do we do that? So if the best place for me to go and hear that is to go and sit in a church. That is not going to stop me for anything. If anything, it's going to in, in, it's going to grow me as a Muslim. Mm. And there'll be things that I'll hear there that I'll think, nah, I don't know. I mean, I can tell a story. I must, I, at some stage, I want to be able to tell tell this particular uh, sheikh, this particular imam, the story when when the time comes and it's right. But there was a imam I used to go and listen to who I found really, really difficult to follow. Mm. Yeah, and <clears throat> one time I started praying to God that I shouldn't have to pray behind him. Yeah, oh. And I turned up at one fajr, <clears throat> and there was just the two of us. So for people who don't know, when there's only two of you, you pray side by side, and when there's two or more, then you go behind the imam. And 
<coughs> and Fajr prayer is also very first thing in the morning, so it mm. explains why you were the only one there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult to get there sometimes, eh? So there was the, just the two of us, and I thought, alhamdulillah, God is answering my prayer. I'm not going to pray behind him, and I'm happy to pray beside him, but I'm not praying behind him. And so we had just started to pray, and then, of course, people came in, and I thought, that's all right, someone's going to stand behind him. But the brother who came alongside gave me a nudge, and now I'm behind the imam. I'm, I'm sort of coping and thinking this is not quite right. But when I went down to make the Jew, when I went down to put my head on the floor, mm-hmm. I put my head on his feet. Oh. And I said, Alhamdulillah, God, you win. If you want me to pray behind this man, I will. I will. And the, the opening that that did is that I listened to him differently. Mm. There were still things that I don't agree with. That's okay. And that's okay. And so that was the freedom that I got. And I think the same happens when... We have somebody who comes with their faith and wants to tell us, how about we just listen? Yeah, because when we listen to somebody, then they will listen to us. And I think that's when we have uh, Islam Awareness Week, we should be hosting Awareness Week of other faiths. We should be saying to those other faiths, can we do this together? Yeah, because that's what causes Islamophobia, is that when it's all about us, Mm. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little bit. People say, oh, <clears throat> "What about homophobia?" Right? Now, how do you put those two things together? In some ways, it's like somebody turning up with a car and saying, "I've just bought a new car." Because what they're really saying is, "What do you think of my new car?" Yeah, mm. yeah. It's a challenge. So I think the same with with um, with Islam is that we should be saying to somebody, "Yes, sure." That's like you said. You know, looking at me, I probably one of the reasons that I wear a thorp often. Because otherwise people wouldn't know I'm a Muslim. And it's also a good way of me gauging what is the feeling in the community about us at the moment. Yeah, Seeing people's expressions on their face. Most people are really, really smiling, happy and all the rest of it. But occasionally you see somebody looking at us like, if you folk weren't here, we would never have had a problem. Which is not true. It was coming. Hey. It was coming for a long time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I got asked by CNN News <clears throat> if I was shocked that what happened in Christchurch happened. And I said, not at all, because... I know of no holy scripture that says that New Zealand is exempt from evil. And that was an example of evil. That wasn't just a bad person. That was actually an example of evil. Eh? Mm. I think people think that because New Zealand's so far away, we're immune to all this sort of no. stuff. But the thing is, ideology, oh, the, well, how do you pronounce that word? But ideas, anyway, they can, they're not bound by borders no. and they can go everywhere. Mm. And, the, and the good news is that New Zealand responded appropriately. And, the, and, and hey, amazing. We just it have, was. We, yeah, in every way. Hey. It was really amazing. And, yeah, and everyone really um, stepped up, stepped up, which was really heartwarming. Yeah, and and it's opened whole heaps of doors, and and now the question is where we keep nurturing that, isn't it? Yeah, where do we go from here to keep that going on? Um, but we do have to land the plane now. <laughs> oh yeah, you wanted me to ask you. Yeah. So the threshold speed should be around about 120 knots, and you need to flare out. I would not flare out lower than. Ah. <laughs> folks, this was my way. My niece of telling me. My niece said, "If I say land the plane, Uncle, it means that we got to get back on track and stop talking." So, <laughs> kia ora to you, Matiwa, Asalama. Thanks for having me on my show. This is really awesome and wicked. I really appreciate your time and that of the listeners. Gorgeous people. Love Thank you. All. you. <laughs> and thank you to the listeners as well. Um, yeah. This has been another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. And yeah, we'll catch you next time. See ya. 
Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.